Leadership Show with Andy Peck. It's lovely to welcome you to the Leadership Show for conversation with leaders and expert on leadership themes. In recent decades, the Christian church has become more aware of the value of spiritual disciplines. In the previous generation, the only disciplines typically practiced, certainly by those in the Protestant tradition, were Bible study and prayer and maybe occasional fasting. Now Christians of all denominations have come to see that if we're to become like Jesus, we need to do the kind of things that Jesus did, and this includes the disciplines that he practiced while he was on earth. Many Christian leaders have incorporated spiritual disciplines within their regular routines, and some are saying this is a particular value in the light of the way in which our culture has changed. Ready access to the internet and access to other people via the smartphone is having an impact upon the way we think and live, and often not in a good way. Well, today's guest has been thinking through these issues and has written a book entitled Reimagining the Spiritual Disciplines for the Digital Age, published by Grove Books. Her name is Sarah Schumacher, and she is academic dean and tutor and lecturer in theology and the arts at St. Melitus College in London. So welcome, Sarah, to The Leadership Show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, so your journey to your current role at St. Melitus, just to get you in context a little, if we may. Yeah, of course. Um, it's it's been a journey that's not always been so linear, but um, makes sense as you look back. Um, so I trained as an artist and worked as a graphic designer for several years. And as a Christian and as, and as an artist, I've always been interested in the intersection between art and theology. And curiosity, I think, really led me to postgraduate study but not necessarily from a place of thinking I'd ever get a chance to do this for my job. Um, and I think during that time of doing postgraduate study became increasingly fascinated by the relationship between the contemporary church and the arts, which led me to do PhD research. And in many ways, I think working at St. Melitus feels like an embodiment of my PhD in that in training future church leaders, I have the opportunity to lecture and teach and help them think through the importance of the arts and really all the different ways that we as humans engage with the world around us and with culture and of which digital technology is part of that and help them to think about what does that then mean for their own mission and ministry. Um, and so I've been doing that for about eight years. And then I took on this role of academic dean of the college about a year ago. Oh, wonderful. Well, um, I'm, I imagine the... Uh, an interview on the arts would be perhaps something we could do in the future, but uh, that would be fascinating. But uh, we're looking particularly at the spiritual disciplines, uh, and I've obviously spoken about these in my introduction, uh, but your, your own definition first of, of what we're talking about. Yeah, great. So I, I come to understand the spiritual disciplines, and the way you described them was, was really spot on to kind of what I understand them to be as well, is they're the Christian practices that promote our spiritual growth. And, and maybe put another way, they, these practices put us in a place where we can be formed into Christ's likeness. So there are practices for our spiritual formation. Um, and I think really coming to understand as humans, we are habit forming and we are habit formed people. So we, as humans, we, um, we form habits. And so those, and to live our life, but also we are formed by our habits. So the spiritual disciplines being those practices that um, that help us to, in some ways, um, engage in the training 
that means that when we're in certain circumstances, we do what is now second nature. You're very similar. Richard Foster uses the analogy of an athlete who trains in order to compete in a game that, you know, when you are in the middle of competition, you don't want to be thinking about what do I need to do in this particular moment? All the training that happens beforehand means that in that moment, you um, respond in, in a particular way. And so I think the spiritual disciplines then are part of our the practices that we engage with. I mean, oftentimes spiritual disciplines subvert our natural inclinations. So they are, um, if they, if some of these things were easy, there'd be no need for disciplines, which we can get into and think about some of these aspects in relation to digital technology. Um, but oftentimes as well, particularly the, the whole array of spiritual disciplines within scripture and within Christian tradition have almost always been countercultural in their expression. So they do subvert our cultural narrative at many in many ways. Um, but in subverting our culture, they then remind us of God's narrative and our place in it. So I think that's so on, on one level, there are spiritual practices, but they are doing so much more as well in reminding us who we are and who God is. Uh, so Sarah, obviously my interest in the topic for this show is that anecdotally many Christians in leadership and especially church leaders are very weary. Uh, some people use language such as burnout. Uh, and I guess you would be especially advocating that Christians in leadership incorporate spiritual disciplines in their lives too. Yeah, of course. And I think I'd even go so far to say that faithfully practicing the spiritual disciplines is one of the most important things that you can do for your leadership as a Christian. Excellent. And um, your journey to becoming interested in this field of study, I understand you had some, you know, some personal reasons in terms of how you discovered all this. Yeah, of course. And and in some ways, actually, as, as is often the case, I came I became interested in this sort of by reading for something else. So I was really interested in how the advent of digital technology um, was leading us to ask new questions about what it means to be human. Um, and as I started reading about this topic probably about six, seven years ago, there were very few theologians who were writing about it. So I found myself reading in the field of social science in particular. And what I was finding as I read that work was that some of the most, some of the popular level books as well as the scholarly research were starting to notice that there were some consistencies in the kinds of spiritual, or sorry, the kinds of human practices that social scientists were observing helped us to retain our humanity in the digital age. And what I was noticing with those practices, those practices were essentially the spiritual disciplines. Um, so I, that got me thinking, well, what happens if we read the Christian spiritual disciplines through the lens of what social science is observing? And then going on from that, how might that help us to reimagine the spiritual disciplines for a digital age? So this book first started um, as a lecture and then that content was refined and um, over time kind of gave way into this into this book. And, and I think from, for me personally, I think when you're faced with having to kind of return to content about the spiritual disciplines all the time, then of course it also transformed my own personal practice. So, Sarah, you say in your book, if we don't control technology, it will control us. And I guess many people you know, with robots on, on the horizon are thinking, oh, crumbs, it'd be awful to be controlled by robots. But uh, the comments suggest that actually this is already happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I'm, I'm thinking probably particularly around um, smartphone technology. Um, the, 
what smartphone technology does, particularly applications, they are commodifying our attention. That's how they make money. And so much of the psychology that exists behind their development is not dissimilar to slot machines and that addictive practice that um, that can come from its use. So it's I, I think we're naive to think that um, there's not um, work being done in the background that makes it very difficult for us to um, to not be controlled by technology if we don't think about how do we put in place some practices that allow it to serve us and be a good tool for our own our own lives um, but but not in a way that's but not in a way that um, is is unthinking or undiscerning and and the irony of course is that we're very well connected um, but actually we're very lonely yeah yeah and 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 that I mean, and that is, and we, we are in this epidemic of loneliness that the government has sort of declared um, a few years ago. And, and I think that it seems like what a lot of what social media in particular is, is saying is that the problem they are solving is our disconnection. So what they are giving us is this opportunity to connect in this online space. But yet we are seeing loneliness on the increase. So we have to ask the question of, well, why is that the case? And and I think for many, the antidote to loneliness is the quality of your relationships, not the quantity. And I think what social media does is it increases the quantity of our relationships. But what's missing is that quality that's marked by being known. Um, and from my perspective, I think there is something about being in someone else's embodied presence that's necessary for being truly known. I think that's probably something we learned in the lockdown um, that like to not be able to be in each other's space, something was lost in that. And, and while we were all grateful for the way that technology kept us connected, um, there, was, there was a qualitative difference to having to connect online versus being able to sit down in someone's living room and have a drink together or meet in the pub or whatever that might be. So I think that's the, I mean, that's the irony of the situation we're in is we're well connected, but also lonely. Sure. Uh, so Sarah, you look in the book at, at three particular spiritual disciplines. Uh, you look at uh, solitude, at simplicity and at Sabbath. Uh, so maybe we could look at, look at those just briefly as, as we carry on. Um, you describe solitude as a container discipline. So perhaps you could outline why that is. Yeah, of course. So, so the need for solitude, that was the practice that came up the most often in the wider reading I was doing. That seemed to be the one of the practices that social science was observing. This is really necessary for, um, for us retaining our humanity in this digital age. And, and what solitude does, and this is where it comes into your question about being a container discipline, is it creates space. It kind of it's like it's like solitude is like it creates a sort of metaphorical container around us that on one hand makes the practice of the other disciplines possible. So when you practice solitude, you create space for prayer or for meditation or for reading scripture. But also in solitude, I think we become attentive to God, but we also become attentive to ourselves. I think we start to clear out all of the the cacophony of noise that's in our head and we can become attentive to um to what god is saying creating space for self-reflection for interrogating of our own hearts 
and minds for repentance and for transformation into Christ-likeness, which is what the spiritual disciplines ultimately are for, as we talked about at the beginning. Um, and some will talk about sc scaffolding, creating or solitude, creating the scaffolding for the other disciplines. So it's like the dif the discipline, the other the other. Uh, the, the discipline the other disciplines are able to sort of hang on um and this need to be alone with god which you see modeled in the life of jesus is actually really important for what we were talking about earlier for about loneliness because when we are alone with god we discover that we're not alone so we understand something deep and fundamental to our humanity and so within those who are within christian writers writing about solitude solitude is seen as the antidote to loneliness so solitude is an inner fulfillment, whereas loneliness is an inner emptiness. So solitude is really important, not just for um, not just for where we are at this time and where, where um, digital technology will, can easily crowd out any space or any alone time or any solitude, but it also starts to attend to some of the very particular needs that we're seeing start to emerge within contemporary society. Sure. And have you got any thoughts on the length of solitude that really is appropriate? Yeah, so I think this is this is something that I, I thought quite a lot about. And um, because I think in an ideal world, you, know, you think you you have, a you know, romantic notions of kind of going away or maybe some do going away for a day and being inside the retreat or whatever that might be. But I found particularly helpful um, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster talks about reclaiming the little solitudes that fill our day. Um, and I think that's what I found myself trying to do is, is to notice where um, smart, particularly my smartphone was snatching away those little solitudes and where it was consuming our attention and, and how we've now found ourselves with things like notifications and, and um, the like button on Facebook or whatever it might be. We're in, a, we're in a place of continuous disruption where those notifications are being pushed at us. And so I then found myself asking, what does it mean to proactively redeem these tiny snatches of time, these tiny little solitudes that fill our day, rather than handing them over to technology, which is also, if we think about our attention being the commodity that um, the particularly apps are trying to consume, um, how do I then reclaim those little solitudes that fill my day? Um, and I think particularly as well, thinking about the beginning and the end of the day, I think within scripture, particularly in the Psalms, you see the beginning and the end of the day oftentimes being set aside for time with God for prayer for meditation so so also thinking about the little bits the little bits of time that filled my day but also the bookends of the day that um that I think historically and within the Christian tradition have been set aside for time with God and so your, your second s uh, in the three s's of uh the spiritual disciplines is simplicity which sounds attractive but I guess is tougher to implement particularly in the western world yeah of course and I the reason is because simplicity forces us to face ourselves. And I think it's it forces us to step into the fullness of being a creature. And by by that I mean by being not God. I mean we are we are the, the freedom of being a human is that we aren't actually responsible for the creation of the world. We serve a God who is. And but simplicity, I think, um, and our attachment to things, our attachment to owning to have owning and having our attachment almost to feeling like we're in control of the future and and the life is is only what i make it um simplicity i think requires that we 
let go. It requires that we notice what we're paying attention to. And I think recognizing that for us as humans, what we pay attention to is will be that it will be what forms us. I mean, it's not, I mean, when Jesus talks about seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you as well. Seeking first the kingdom is what are you paying attention to? Because what you pay attention to will be who you become. And I think simplicity requires us to, um, to be attentive to some of these different things that pull for our attention, recognizing that our formation is contested. Um, we are being formed and we are being deformed. Um, but also simplicity within the Christian tradition has also been seen as the antidote to addiction. And I think when we talked earlier about some of the underlying psychology that exists within our um, smartphone technology, but, um, but also the kind of increasing rise of internet addiction and the sheer number of times that the average person checks their phone in a day, I think that it's simplicity starts to, as we start to notice what we pay attention to, I think not only does it help us to see where we are kind of um, aligning ourselves with the deformed vision of the kingdom or of the good life, but it also helps us to see um, how we have given ourselves over to, to those things that try and pull us away from God, from that formation. And, and again, it, I think it's, it's imp particularly important to note that our thinking about addiction has also moved on. We've tended in the past to think about a, certain people are prone to addiction. But I think what social scientists have started to realize is that all of us can become addicted under the right circumstances. So it's not the case that that only some people are, are um, um, for, 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 that it's only some people for whom this is a possibility, but actually under the right conditions, all of us can fall to this. So. We are we are in a situation where until there is um, until technology and regulation things are working together, um, we are um, we have to be kind of wise as serpents um, when we when we think about um, this technology that we're engaging with and and I think particularly I think simplicity also helps us to ask the question and not fall into the assumption that technology is inevitable that just because something is new we inevitably have to implement it and incorporate it into our lives so I think simplicity thinking about what am I seeking what am I paying attention to am I becoming more or less like Christ is I think part of that help what helps us to make good and discerning decisions about our use of technology more kind of more generally yeah and, and Sarah just moving to the third and to Sabbath again that obviously connects to simplicity to some degree. Um, you know, some people use a Sabbath as a day when they don't engage with technology at all. That would be a, I know John Mark Comer in his writing has advocated that. I don't know how you see Sabbath. Yeah. I, th I mean, I think he's, I think that's a, that's a good example of a Sabbath being a rest from technology. I think that's something that, um, you know, that's, that's a really good kind of practical implement, uh, implementation of this i mean i'm finding it fascinating to to think about sort of sabbath and rest and see also how that is starting to be advocated well beyond the church i've just finished reading matthew walker's book why we sleep which is a scientist looking at all the beneficial things that sleep does to our human reality and for him 
this is an evolutionary reality. But I think for us as Christians, you see that actually built into our structure as humans is the need to rest, is the need to sleep. But I think going deeper than just being a physical reality, Sabbath is an act of faith because we have to rest. We step back to then in and in that act, we declare the world is not sustained by my activity. Um, and, and again, it, it's a way by which we um, just step into the fullness of our finiteness, the fullness of our creatureliness, which the fact that we actually can rest is a gift that we are given by our creator. Um, and so, yeah, so I think it is really important. I think, um, you know, I think, I think thinking about, again, this, this shows up all through the literature about making sure you take a daily, weekly and monthly rest from your technology, because it's, it's, it is something about, so Sabbath resting, almost a fasting, kind of a fasting component, because it, it does build up over time. And, um, but I think the, but then the, the reality of technology, particularly when it comes to sleep, is it's also very much impeding our capacity to rest if we're not mm. conscious about, some people talk about it in the way of putting your phone to bed and waking your phone up. So it's a, so again, it doesn't just sit by your head and then you look at it as you go to sleep and you look at it as you wake up, but there's actually a sense of, because this, because this technology impedes this or can impede it. I need to be intentional about how it is, um, how it is sort of boundaried, I suppose, so so that Sabbath can happen. And obviously, we uh, translating Sabbath for some that will be a Sunday, and and others, if there are church leaders particularly involved in church, then it will be another day in the week. You're looking at a twenty four hour period, typically. Yeah, typically, and and I think again, this is where I mean, I I think for me it. 24 hours without a phone um, because of some other responsibilities I have was 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 unrealistic. But what I ended up doing, the practice I ended up implementing was I left my phone at home when I went to church on Sunday. And um, and I think I was so there was, a, was an intentional kind of resting from technology, which allowed me in that sitting in a side allowed me to fully enter into allows me to fully enter into the worshiping kind of ex space and experience. And I think what was, what I found interesting in engaging with that practice was I was expecting to connect more with God because I wasn't distracted from my phone. But I think what I wasn't expecting was how leaving my phone behind allowed me to be fully present to the community around me. So there was a sense of I, the phone was a distraction from the people of God that were the church family that I was a part of. So there was an, so for me, the, the aspect of Sabbath was not just, it wasn't just individual or personal, but it actually became a corporate an opportunity for corporate connection as well. Yeah. So you're not having a conversation and suddenly you feel a beep on your phone and you feel tempted to, to look at it, especially exactly. if, it's, if it might be important. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think even, even there, there's the, Research has shown that even the presence of a phone on the table will change the nature of the conversation because there is an opportunity to be distracted. Yeah. And so it's so I think, again, it's it's whether it's in your pocket, in your bag or whatever, it's the, the opportunity to not be present to the person in front of you is there, which then changes. And, and I think then it's also and then there's also an interesting question if we're thinking about leadership, particularly church leadership is, you know, could we 
could we think about phone-free services? I mean, I know that there's always a sense of, but what if there's an emergency? Um, but we've lived for many years as humans with an hour without our phone and, and mere emergencies were quite um, few. So I think there's an interesting thing to think about. Cinemas will ask you to turn your phone off when you enter into that space. But but do we do we need to think about the same about as as a church, we have a theology that calls us to gather together as people in a space, attentive to each other and attentive to God. And if the if our tech if our phones in particular are means of distraction, keeping us from being able to Sabbath together in some ways, you know, is there a case to be made of actually let's all turn our phones off and um, be present to each other and to God. So there's some interesting other ways to think about it corporately that um, as we think about being being leaders in this space, how do we extend the disciplines beyond just our own personal practice? Well, thank you, Sarah, for, for giving us that insight into these, these disciplines. Um, the book, again, is Reimagining the Spiritual Disciplines for the Digital Age. Um, have you got other books in the pipeline, Sarah? Um, I've got other ideas for books in the pipeline. Uh, okay. Um, so uh, yeah, so I think um, I think we'll see we'll see what happens, but yeah, it's I hope I mean hopefully sometime soon. Well, I'll, I'll give the details of how people can get a copy of the book very soon. So, um, but thank you so much for your insights and for your enthusiasm, and I think this could be I'm going to say a lifesaver, but certainly a, an enormous help to people listening who perhaps have been overtaken by digital technology in a way they didn't didn't really realise. So thank you so much. Of course, thank you for having me. It was a great joy to chat with uh, Sarah Schumacher. Uh, her name is spelled S-A-R-A, Sarah Schumacher, S-H-U-M-A-C-H-E-R. And the name of the book, again, is Reimagining the Spiritual Disciplines for the Digital Age. It's available from Grove Books. And if you go to the Grove Book website, it's S153, and you can either buy it in print version or on digital, and it's very reasonably priced, uh, less than five pounds. Uh, so I would urge you and encourage you to, uh, to dip into that and maybe buy a copy for a friend, perhaps, who's a bit addicted to technology. You never know. If you're new to the show, just a reminder that uh, this show is broadcast on Premiere every Sunday but also is available as a podcast by going to your favourite podcast provider, typing in The Leadership Show, and you'll get uh, this show and, of course, uh, other archive versions, several hundred, uh, depending on which podcast provider you go to. Uh, so other conversations that can be of, of help and benefit, I trust, uh, for your leadership and to stimulate your thinking on this very tough uh, area of life to be engaged in, but very rewarding uh, two. It's my joy to provide uh, guests each week. If you have ideas of people you think I should be chatting with or topics that I should be covering, I'd be delighted to hear from you. Andy.peck at premier.org.uk is where you'll find me. So as always, my joy to be uh, with you this week and look forward to your company again very soon. Thanks for tuning in. The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. To get in touch, email andy.peck at premier.org.uk.